0: Hey there, it's Gary Parach, Friday, November 5th, 2021, welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black, Matt Norlander is here with me, and today, in anticipation of the 2021-22 season that starts in, in four days, we're going to focus on some big predictions, final four picks, Sleeper teams, so on and so forth. But before we get into that, let me remind you, uh, especially if you're new here or back after taking off the offseason, let me remind you where Norlander and I disagree on what are typically the seven best conferences in college basketball. In the American, uh, we both have Memphis winning the league over Houston. In the ACC, we both have Duke. In the Big 12, we both have Texas, which seems mildly disrespectful to Kansas. In the Big East, we both have Villanova. In the Pac-12, we both have Mick Cronin's UCLA Bruins. So, we're on the same page at the top of those five conferences, but we're not on the same page in the Big Ten or the SEC. In the Big Ten, I got Michigan winning. Norlander's got Purdue. In the SEC, I have Arkansas. Norlander has Alabama. So, let me ask you this, Deadleg. Which of those teams are you less sure of as a likely conference champion heading into this season, Purdue or Alabama?
1: I'll give you that in just a second. But first of all, you mm. said disrespectful to Kansas. While that, that could well be true, as someone who had to publish his annual United States of College basketball this week and across the great state of Texas was a big old Longhorn logo instead of the reigning national champions, Just here, I'm here to report the Baylor fans have found me. They have very much found me, oh, and geez. are n- and they are not happy. And or- again, this is a projection of the season ahead. Last year, before before last season, guess what logo was there? A big old BU. But this season, so when you say it's disrespectful to Kansas, you just riled up the Baylor fan base even
0: more. No, 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 no. I'm. Baylor knows I'm ride or die. I'm, I've been, I've been, I've been with Baylor from the jump. You're the one that's been constantly disrespecting that program and everybody in in the Drew family, including the little dog Huck. Huck,
1: who could forget Huck? You're not ride or die right now. You're with me, Texas, to win the Big Twelve. That's not ride or
0: die yeah but my heart's with baylor okay my brain is with texas but my heart is with baylor my favorite thing about the uh, in a map of the united states college however you say it um was new york being st bonaventure <laughs> i love
1: second it time. second time in four years syracuse fans by far the most just completely butthurt over this completely but it's by every objective measure bonnie's supposed to be better i woke up this morning i was i was um uh, I really—I was just having fun with one Syracuse fan, and they're like, New, "New York is a joke." And so I quote tweeted it, and I said, "No, Stephen, the joke is the fact that Syracuse let Saint Bonaventure pass it by as a program." Mm. And I said this like two days ago. So I woke up, checked my verified mentions, and it had been favorited by Woj. <laughs> <laughs> favorited the and this was not like a tweet like he saw in real time. Like I don't know, I don't know how he came across it. it was it was all too funny. Anyway, as to your question, Hakeem Hakeem Warwick is rolling over in his grave. Okay. There we go. Former first-team All-American, Akeem Work. by the way. Uh, we are going to be wrong. I'm going to say this right now. The fact that we agree on five of the seven, and again, if you have not listened, if you're just picking up now, season's getting ready to roll, we previewed all of these conferences. Go dive in, get that goodness for you real quick, uh, and get a, a you know a deep dive on each of these leagues. But the fact that we agree that Memphis, Duke, Texas, Nova, and UCLA are all going to win, we are just destined to be wrong on one of those. Uh, but as to your specific question, who do I think is more likely that I will be wrong about? I would say. I would say Bama, I'm more confident that Purdue will win the Big Ten than Alabama will win the SEC, and that's because I think Purdue's the better team Uh, and the distance between Bama, Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas. I've got more in Tennessee coming in a bit. Um, That just leads me there. And when we did this and kind of prep for this pod. I guess I knew, but I had forgotten that we, I thought I was like, okay, we'll go over the ones that we just just, you know, remind the listeners, where do we disagree on who's winning these leagues? And I thought for whatever reason we had like three or four differences. The fact is it's just the big 10 in the sec. And it's only not surprising in this regard. Those are the two leagues that are considered to be the biggest toss-ups as we previewed on those conference look ahead episodes. Those are the ones that are just considered the biggest, the biggest toss-ups. You know, you can make an easy case for UCLA, super easy for Nova, Compelling one for Memphis, uh, Duke, understandably, and then Big Twelve. Say what you will, Kansas, Baylor, and Texas. You know, um, Texas is 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 the one that going into the season, um, a lot of people think have the best chance to do it. So for me, it's it's Bama over Purdue. I'm 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 all in on the Boilermakers.
0: I'm also in less sure about my SEC prediction than anything else, and it's only because I think there's at least four teams on paper. That can win that league. And they're not much difference between those teams. It's obviously Arkansas, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky. You know, uh, as I, you know, in the preseason top 25 and one, I've got those teams 10th, 12th, 14th, 16th. At Kempom, I think it's 13, 15, 17, 19th. They're all right there together. And, you know, over the weekend, Tennessee had an exhibition and it's just an exhibition, but Kennedy Chandler looked awesome. And if he's going to be awesome, then they're going to be really good. Um, every time I look at Kentucky's roster, I like it more. Multiple ball handlers, multiple shooters, uh, a, a physical presence in the middle in Oscar Shibwe. Um, You know, Alabama's. I, I don't think there's any doubt they've got a chance to be you know outright back. Uh, you know, back to back outright SEC champions. And if Nate Oates is able to pull that off, he'd be the first coach to do it. Uh, since Billy Donovan did it in back-to-back years at, at Florida, and then Arkansas is actually my pick. <laughs> so I, so I love those other three teams, but I picked Arkansas. I think that's a total toss-up. I, I, I'm obviously not predicting this, but if you told me those four teams finished within one game of each other or tied with each other, that wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world to me.
1: Agreed. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited to see where we wind up being a little askewer off in the top 10 to 15 overall with all our teams there. And I think that those two leagues specifically, again, the sec is super fascinating because of the teams at the top. It just, it seems like a wide open race there. And I think the potential for one of those teams to underwhelm us, I think is also a possibility. If you're going to have three or four teams that are in the mix to win the league, I think there's a chance that one of those teams just doesn't quite hit. They get to the tournament but they just wind up being closer to an eight, nine, 10 seat, as opposed to being in the running for two, three, four seed. I also think will be on the table and it's a matter of what team will that be. And specifically in the sec, is it going to be like, will Musselman be able to carry over with a lot of roster turnover year, over year, Kentucky, obviously after having just a horrendous season, will they be able to bounce back or will we see kind of more of the same Tennessee underwhelmed? Can they play to what we think that they can, uh, they can be. And then Alabama brings back plenty of talent, but, it's not a program that's accustomed to being in the top 25 annually, so I'm just intrigued to see if we uh, if we wind up being right. You said 10, 12, 14, 16 in your rankings. Will those four maintain their status for most of the
0: season in the top 25? We'll find out soon enough. So, Deadleg and I um, only have one matching projected Final Four team. We're gonna get into Final Four teams next, but first, check this out.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: So Norland and I only have one matching projected Final Four team. Surprise, surprise, it's Gonzaga. We both have Mark Few in the Final Four for what would be the third time in a five-tournament span. This is the biggest problem with that stupid tournament getting canceled is you can't say third time in six years because it misrepresents. the. You just You just say
1: three out of the past six tournaments. That's what you got to do. You just got to reference the tournament on its own timeline.
0: Well, you know? it'd be three out of three beat for Gonzaga if they get there. It'd be three out of the past five. Right. Yeah. But it'll be three in the past six years. Yeah. I hate that. I wish <laughs> if for no other re. It, if you're looking for another reason, I hate this dumb pandemic. It's because it 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 makes me phrase things uh, in ways that we didn't tip. We didn't have to. Phrase them in in pre-pandemic times. It's a nightmare we're dealing with here. So uh, we both have Gonzaga in the Final Four. After that, uh, we don't agree on other teams. So Mm -hmm. round out yours. What does it look like?
1: All right. As I round out mine, a reminder that Parrish and I approach this practice differently. I know we've talked about this on the podcast, and if you've tracked our picks in the previous years on the site, um, Parrish likes to go by his rankings. But To me, that's... That just almost never happens. Literally, there's been one time ever where all the one seeds made the Final Four. Trivia time! What year? Oh,
0: come on, man. I know. 2008. I know. Super easy. Chalmers for the tie. Dozier for the championship. Exactly.
1: Our managing editor, Adi, hit me up. Adi Joseph hit me up on Wednesday. He said... Trivia times are getting too easy, man. I know all the answers. So I got to step my game up. And that's another example.
0: Don't worry. You've given me 2008 Final Four like seven times. I know everything about the 2008 (laughs) Final Four.
1: I got to keep this competitive. So anyway, with that in mind, uh, I don't pick what I think will be the four best teams because the tournament never gives us. I like to have a little bit of fun, give you some good teams, but usually throw in at least one quasi wild card. A team that I think will be very good top 25 level, but not necessarily a one seed or maybe not even a two seed. So Final Four. I go Gonzaga. I go Purdue, uh, which I think will be a number one seed coming off a Big Ten regular season championship. I won't speak to the Big Ten tournament. Who the hell knows what's going to go on there? But I will have Purdue on the one line getting there. I will have a second Big Ten team in New Orleans, and I'm going to go with Illinois because I'm going to go all in on Kofi Coburn. Basically, Coburn, Drew Timmy, Paulo Banquero more on those guys in a little bit later on in this episode, but those guys really giving us a compelling national player of the year race. So those three, so Illinois breaks through call, maybe give me Illinois on the two line. And then a team that I think will either be a three or four seed that I'm going to pick to break on through. I'm going to go with the Tennessee volunteers. The team I don't have winning the sec might not even be second in the standings at the end of the regular season, the sec, but Fulkerson, John Fulkerson, I think we'll have a huge year. You got Josiah Jordan-James, who I think will be very improved. Talk to a knowledgeable NBA scout on Tuesday. Swears Kennedy Chandler is going to be the first point guard picked in the draft. So with that in the back of my mind, I'm saying, okay, I want to pick a reasonable team, but someone that's not like in the top six or seven. Let's have a little bit of fun with this. Um, They have enough size, some good new talent, enough returning. So yeah, give me the vault. So that's
0: my four: Gonzaga, Purdue, Illinois, Tennessee. I love Josiah Jordan James. He is the rare first name hashtag. Uh, first name hyphen. dash hyphen. <laughs> I knew I would get that symbol correct at some point. What did you know? hashtag there? <laughs> I think I just said. I think I'm so used to saying hashtag. I just said hashtag. Not it. it's clearly not, not a hashtag. It's a it's a hyphen. The hyphenated first name. Is he the only hyphenated first namer in college basketball? Oh, man,
1: there was someone else. This is when the, this is where the users and listeners are going to help us out. There was someone else recently who had it, and I can't remember it. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts, Parish. Why do you do this to me? There was someone else. How
0: last do you, how you even get a, a, a hyphenated first name? Like, how's that happen?
1: You got me, man. I don't know. Like,
0: how I, don't does I, I don't know. I don't know the process of how that happens. There was
1: someone else, though.
0: Should I consider it?
1: Am I too old? Yeah, I think once you hit your thirties, the the opportunity has passed you by.
0: I think. I think just generally speaking, I'm too old for anything at this point. <laughs> but I would like to. I I just because he didn't used to be that. Oh, he, I, I, he was just Josiah James, and then I looked up one day and he was Josiah Jordan, hated. I missed this. We gotta get a story on. We gotta, somebody's gotta get to the bottom of this. How is the athletic not
1: written about this yet? <laughs>
0: Have they not gone to Knoxville? To yeah, four
1: thousand word deep tie feature. Come on now, wow. I, <laughs> I love, it. but I love his game. So that's my that's my wild card pick.
0: Um, I, I like Tennessee. Um, the idea, and I don't agree. I I don't disagree with your knowledgeable NBA scout like Kennedy Chandler. He's just terrific. I mean, he he knows how to run a team. He can make a shot. He's a winner. And I know these labels get thrown around pretty loosely sometimes, but like he really like he he has the resume to back up everything I'm saying. Like he he is as far as I know. Ooh, trivia time! Oh boy, let's go. Uh, this, this let the record show this is not a trivia time because I've already said there's really no good way to ask it. Okay, <laughs> getting the obvious answer. As, far as I know, the only Memphis player, Memphis native, to ever win a Peach Jam title, and he won it from Can Elite.
1: Yeah, there's no, there's no way of me verifying or even knowing that that's true. So I think
0: it's true. Okay, I'm gonna say it's true. I know, I I know. I never watched Team Penny win a PGM title, so that's all I can say. They come close, but they never did it. So he's he's won state titles. Um, he's won Mr. Basketball in two, I think Kansas and Tennessee throughout his high school career because he transferred to Sunrise Christian as his senior year. Uh, the only thing with him that would be a concern is that he's little. I mean, he's a he's a he's a little guy. But um, you know, but but you know, the, he's he's a special talent, and you put him on a roster that's got so many productive guys coming back, like Josiah, Jordan James, and Victor Bailey, and John Fulkerson. Um, yeah, I'm I don't have him in my final four because I don't have him in my top four. But you, don't put a ceiling on what Tennessee can be this this season. They they can they can do the whole thing. I think because. Um, the the returning pieces are good enough, and 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 the freshman point guards he's special. Um, you're right. We don't take the same approach with this. I find it nonsensical to pick somebody that you don't think is one of the best four teams in the country to go to the Final Four. Although I recognize it ha- it 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 the, doesn't the, happen. The best four teams almost never yeah. end up in the Final Four. But I'm always just going to go one, two, three, four in the top twenty-five and one, and those are my Final Four teams. So it's Gonzaga, UCLA. Texas, and Kansas, although I will say, and again, just an exhibition, but the reviews on Remy Martin's (laughs) debut with the Jayhawks were seemed to be mixed like that. uh, He showed um, a a special playmaking ability that. Uh, was missing last season from the backcourt at Kansas, frankly, but that he, you know, he can get a little, he can get a little wild sometimes, which certainly is his his reputation. But I'm obviously betting on him to be really good because I'm betting on Kansas to be really good. This is what um,
1: I think your uh, your longtime Twitter buddy Jesse Newell, who covers Kansas locally, Love Jesse. He this is his tweet from from Wednesday night. I don't really know how to describe this, but Bill Self has been upset on the bench throughout this whole Remy run. He's scoring, yes, but tough shots and not within the flow of the offense. Weird dynamic already. They haven't played a regular season game. This is the preseason Big 12 player of the year. This is the Remy Martin experience. He will be able to fill it up. Very fun player. Sometimes (laughs) can maybe turn a possession upside down. So we shall see. I maintain Martin will be good. He will not be Kansas' best player. I think that will be Ochai Abaji. But I do like your pick there. Your picks, you know, Gonzaga, UCLA, Texas, Kansas. um, That would be the rare, that would be the rare case of all four Final Four teams west of the Mississippi. We almost never get that. In fact, we got it last season for, I think, the first time. This is off the top of my noggin. I want to say 97, maybe. Nah, 97 when I had Kentucky. It had been forever. Last season, you had Baylor, Gonzaga, UCLA, Houston. Four programs west of the Mississippi. Usually, minimum, we have one. Most of the years, we have at least two or three. But you're going uh, four central time zone and beyond. Those are your top four. Gonzaga, Bruins, Horns, Jayhawks. And let me just ask you this. Mm -hmm. Because I know your answer is not going to be Gonzaga. If If one of those teams is going to kind of just flutter askew a little bit and you you would think would be most vulnerable to landing on, say, the 4, 5, or 6 line as opposed to being a 1, 2, or 3 seed, which you project them to be given your rankings, would you say UCLA after last season? Would you say Texas with all of its new components and Chris Beard in year one? Would you say Kansas after what is... A lot of people might not realize this. I can't remember if we mentioned this on the pod, but I definitely noted it uh, on the site in one of my pieces I wrote. Last season was... was statistically per Ken Palm, like one of the poorest Kansas seasons in close to 20 years. So with those facts, this backdrop, which one would you say is most likely to just uh, maybe underperform?
0: I have made this point before. I think some of that and some of what happened at Duke and some of what happened at Kentucky, because they didn't have those incredible home court advantages that they usually have. I, I think that impacted the quality of those basketball teams and, and, in and in, 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 in certainly played a role in Kansas, um, you know, being, sort of whatever relative to what it normally is. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Bill Self took his worst loss ever in terms of point differential inside Allen Fieldhouse in a time where Allen Fieldhouse had limited capacity. That won't be the case this season. Um, So um, good luck going in there and winning. Uh, I I believe in all these teams. I don't really – I'm not skeptical of any of them. I mean, it's, it's not just four good rosters. It's four great coaches. You know, sometimes you can look at a roster and people will be like, yeah, but the coach is, you know, quite, you know, I I just can't believe in that coach. You know, that gets said sometimes about some teams. Well, with these top four in my top 25 and one, I don't think you you can't intelligently question any of the coaches. They're all terrific with a proven track record, well respected within the sport by their colleagues. So. I think they're all going to be really good. But if you had to pull one to say, yeah, if they ended up a five seed instead of a one seed, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. Maybe Texas just because it's so many new pieces and it's so many new pieces, uh, you know, from places that just didn't win. That's right. You know, they, they enrolled a lot of talented dudes. Ain't none of them ever really won anything. And so can Chris Beard take them and, you know, and, and and develop them and figure out rotations and turn it into a winner? Yes, I clearly I believe that. I've got him in the final four, but that is what he'll have to do. I, I don't mean this as bluntly as it sounds, but he's going to have to turn a lot of losers into winners. And um, he, he's obviously equipped to do it uh, based on what he's done at Little Rock and Texas Tech, but that is what he will have to do. Whereas all Mark Few's got to do is just keep doing what he's been doing. You know, all McCron has got to do is continue to be the best coach in UCLA basketball history. And all Bill Self has to do is, you know, do what he's been doing for, you know, decades now.
1: Fair enough. Now, those are our final four picks. Let's go to national title game. I assume you are going same method here. You're not going to you're not you're not you're not you're not predicting no, no minor upsets in the national semifinals, right?
0: Nope. Gonzaga against UCLA for the second year in a row. Can Johnny Juzang put the Bruins over the top this time?
1: Well, how about this? Let's go, let's go double preview here. Gonzaga wins last season. These teams are going to meet again later this month in Las Vegas. Are, what is at the end of this season, if your predictions, uh, if you, at, least the, at least if the game happens, right, they'll have met three times in a year span. Gonzaga right now is 1-0. What will be Gonzaga's record against UCLA at the end of the season if your championship game matchup prediction is accurate? 3-0. and 0. All right. You got UCLA going 0-3. Yeah,
0: you're going to spot a pattern. I find it difficult to pick teams that I don't think are as good as the other team to beat them.
1: I hear you. I'm just trying to have a little bit of fun here. All right. So you got Gonzaga over UCLA. That would be, by the way, yes, there are better final game Thing. Like, you put Duke in the title game in Mike Krzyzewski's final year. Duke versus anyone is going to beat out any other potential game you could have, no right? Sense. That's what that's you just-
0: I Honestly, you know what you want every year? I, I don't want to speak for my uh CBS executives, but you want Kentucky against Duke every year. <laughs> like, yeah. that. yes. like, that's why 2015 was such a missed opportunity. You could have had undefeated Kentucky <laughs> against Duke in the national title game, but that – that old Sam Decker and Frank Kaminsky screwed it up.
1: They got Deckered. You're right. Um, so with that being said, the best possible matchup might be Gonzaga versus UCLA in the national title game after it being a rematch in season and a repeat of, what's one of the five best games in NCAA tournament history, as far as I'm concerned, uh, from last season there. So you would have Gonzaga going 3-0 and in that spot. If I had Gonzaga versus UCLA in the national title game, I would agree with you. I do not. My pick, um, I I went with the teams that I think will be the two best teams, but I'm going to give you a little upset flavor. So, again, we're going to look up back on this in, like, seven weeks, and I'm going to be just rightfully just destroyed, because what am I doing? But <laughs>
0: Speak for yourself. I will never look back on this. <laughs> as soon as we, as soon as, as soon as I shout out Devin Downey, I'm done with this forever. Well, here's here's the thing. As a reminder, this is our last. For everyone listening, this
1: is our last podcast that is only on audio form. All the other podcasts coming here are still going to be on audio. However, you're listening to this whatever service, nothing's changing there. But we are going to video starting next week. Every episode and so
0: which i, I but, don't I, which i don't love by the way because sometimes when you're talking i just like to put my hand in my head my i head. think i think that's I good for you. yeah now but then it, it looks disrespectful if no, i know
1: i i actually encourage this i want you to be i want you to be disrespectful when i'm talking i want
0: this plus, plus if i do it my little bitty hands will be on camera <laughs>
1: that's a problem dude. you're on television multiple days a week throughout the season your hands are on television all the time
0: yeah, but I don't think I bring this much attention to them as I do on the podcast. I'm very excited for this. Anyway, the point
1: that I'm making here is that you may never look back, but the capability now for people to go back mm. and clip up videos of us, look out. It's it's gonna it's gonna be out there. So you might not be able to outrun this. I'm just saying.
0: I was just thinking recently how there's not enough videos of me available on YouTube. Yeah, well, that's about to change.
1: <laughs> that is very much about to change. Um, And a shout, by the way, to Kanata Edwards, Nada, our new producer. He is actually producing this very episode. So it is a thrill to have him on board, and I wanted to give him a proper shout-out in advance of our video debut next week. Again, as I mentioned in previous podcast episodes, if you are listening to this, which you are, because it's not on video. How about that. Go to, the, go to the description of this podcast episode. There will be a link to the YouTube show. Tap it and subscribe. You will get alerts every time the show goes up. We can't wait to see you. And if you prefer to go audio only, if you're a 1.5 speeder, or if you're a true sociopath and you go like 2.0 speed, hey, listen, keep doing you. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you so very much. My title game pick is Purdue over Gonzaga, and the reason why I went with it here is not just because I think these are going to be two best teams it's going to be a close game, et cetera, et cetera. This would be heartbreaking, truly, for Gonzaga to, win, to lose a third national title game in
0: the past five tournaments. Did I get that right, GP? Past five tournaments, six years. There we go. Because of that um, dumb, dumb, dumb pandemic. The the big
1: man combo of Trevian Williams and Zach Edey, potentially Chet Holmgren, Nemhart potential head-to head point guard battle. Um everything Purdue brings back would be a fascinating matchup. Tremendous X and O battle, by the way. You talk about Few and Painter, who is A-level when it comes to that kind of stuff. That would be a title game that I'd love, love to see. And it would be all too funny. So you gotta be a an every episode listener to get this. But in the offseason, Parrish and I talked about coaches and spots where you can find success but like winning a national title is like really really hard we literally talked about matt painter at purdue and like like what do we think the chances are of him ever actually winning a championship at purdue like we kind of dismissed it out of hand and uh i'm gonna walk that back (laughs) so and i got purdue so i'll have the boilermakers winning the national championship this season in college basketball.
0: Yeah, I actually remember that conversation because um, I'm like, listen, you told me Matt Painter was going to be the co- coach at Kentucky for 10 years. I, I tell you, Matt Painter is going to win a national championship, but I'm just not sure he'll ever have the roster at Purdue to actually do it. And then somebody, presumably a Purdue fan, like tweeted at me and was like, um, are you sure he doesn't have the roster this season? And I was like, that's a good point. He might. <laughs> he might.
1: That is that is very much the case.
0: I mean, like, because what what does it usually take? It usually takes um, uh, it, it's some experience mm-hmm. and and some level of NBA talent.
1: Usually, yes.
0: And he's got that.
1: And, and and to speak the obvious, like the genuine coaching acumen. Very rare will you see a coach win a national championship where, if you talk to other coaches worth their salt, they'll be like, eh, I don't know, it's it's happened, but it's but it is it is not it is not that common. All right, what else we got? Tournament prediction wise here for this season, GP.
0: So. Um, Looking at, at some possible sleepers, like what team did I not put in the three season top twenty-five and one team that's not in your top twenty-six, your one to three fifty-eight? Uh, what team could you envision winning two games in the NCAA tournament, making and and see that's not even the right way to phrase it because what if they win a first four game? I know, I know, I know, I know. I thought about this. I know. What team not in the top twenty-six could you envision making the Sweet Sixteen?
1: Okay, so my first team that I went because I didn't want to go to like the 27th or 28th team or 29th team. So the first team I thought was Arizona, but I thought they're too close to my they're like in my top 30. I wanted to pick someone a little bit different. And then I was like, oh, I got it. I think UConn's great. Nah, UConn doesn't doesn't count because you've got UConn. You you like the Huskies there. So I did not count uh, UConn. So I was like, all right, let me get a little bit further down. And the team I went with is actually from a metric standpoint is is like a genuine sleeper long shot. I'm going Rutgers preseason projected to be the 10th team in the standings in, in both Torvik and Ken Palm, uh, number 10 out of 14, big 10 teams they are 59th in Torvik GP. So I will go Rutgers here there. I got them 39 in my list, but with the return of Ron Harper, Jr. Who, uh, I know you love geo Baker, who is like, if he can be just a little more consistent, and then uh, I think Cliff Omarui is going to have a phenomenal year as a big for Rutgers. I think he will be one of the most improved players in the conference. They almost made it last season. Remember, they had that game in hand. I guess, would you have been in, I, I'm I lost track, would you have been in studio for the first weekend last year or were you at home when all that stuff was going on? Because that was like a very frenetic, crazy moment when Rutgers had the game in hand against Houston they blew it. Where were you? Do you remember?
0: I, 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 New York, I, I believe I was in, I was in okay. studio for the entire NCAA tournament, you know, in, before going to Indy for the final four. I was, I was, I was, the, I basically lived there for like an hour now it's now, it's now
1: it's, coming it's, back to me. You remember
0: John, uh, John Rothstein was in the bubble. He was, that's right. And that meant I had no days off. It was <laughs> awesome. But like, I, I, I worked basically every day in studio in, in simply term.
1: That's right. That's what I thought it was. I just couldn't remember for certain there. Um, But when that game was happening and like Rutgers had it and it was a, it was a classic, like Houston, it speaks to Samson in that program. Like they, they have a way of pulling out. Like if it's a tight game with two, two and a half to go, if you're not buttoned up, they're going to steal it from you. They just are going to do that. And they did it against Rutgers. So point is a big time season for Rutgers last season. We were great to see them make the tournament because they were good enough the year before. There was no tournament the year before. And so this is the standard where Rutgers is at right now is Peikel has that program and its fan base, even though it's projected to be 10th in both Torvik and Ken Palm and 10th in the big 10 is not going to get you the tournament. I don't think it will nine. Maybe you got a chance. 10 is that's a tough sell. Not that it's impossible, but I think they'll overperform that get back to the tournament. And again, this is the long shot. I'm not saying it's over light. It's, Overly likely. I, I I like 35 other teams ahead of Rutgers this season. But if you're asking me to pick a, a potential dark horse, just give me a team that's well coached and has two really good players that decided to come back, play for that program, and been to the tournament, Rutgers is my pick.
0: I went with a team that we talked about recently because this question was sort of phrased just slightly differently. It was like what unranked team could end up in the top 10 at some point this season? And my answer was Virginia Tech. And so I would circle back to Virginia Tech on this one. You know, they get five of the top six scores back from a team that made the NCAA tournament. Um, Kebe Aluma, I I don't think, is a household name. Um, I'm not not sure any college basketball player is a household name, (laughs) but, you know, we're not talking about uh, Aaron Rodgers here. Um, But he's a really good college basketball player who was fabulous last season. And if Virginia Tech exceeds expectations and is, you know, a top 20 team for, for a chunk of this season, uh, it's going to be hard to 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 avoid him b- because he's a statistical monster. Like, you know, led Virginia Tech in points, rebounds, blocks per game. Um, so they bring back five of the top six scores from that team that went to the tournament. And then they add Storm Murphy, who's a transfer from Wofford. He averaged 17.8 points. And who knows how that will translate to the ACC. That's the, the – um, I had a buddy who did uh, some – research on this one time, like compiled the data. And basically, I don't want to misquote the data, but um the way I remember it was when you transfer up your your production gets cut significantly, maybe like almost in half. So I, I don't think Storm Murphy's gonna average 17.8 points per game. Um but the more interesting thing that he did at Wofford his last season is he he made 40% of his threes. And he took 7.3 per game that translates. That's just shooting. And I don't think he's going to take 7.3 per game. Although if he can make 40% of them. I'd let him, um, but he's going to, he adds shooting to a team that returns a lot of guys that are um, accomplished and good. Virginia tech is it is like, if I did a top 25 and two, I think they'd be, they'd be, They'd be twenty-seven in that list. Um, another team that I I had as a, under consideration USC, but you've got them in your top twenty-six. You know they bring back six players, uh, barring this from David Cobb's Pac-12 preview. But they bring back six players who started at least one game last season, including Isaiah Mobley. They add Boogie Ellis, um, and then my my team that I would throw in there that is certainly not projected this way by any human or computer is Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State can be good. I think this is going to be Ben Howland's best team in Starkville. Brings back Iverson Molinar, adds Garrison Brooks, adds DJ Jeffries. Like that's a pretty good, you know, experienced group of three right there. I, I if, if we look up at Mississippi State's like, you know, ranked 17th in the country in middle of January – I could envision that. I think this is going to be Ben's best team he's had since he, since he moved to – since he since he left Santa Monica, California for Starkville, Mississippi. I told Ben one time, I was like, you've got to be the only person in the history of the planet who's ever yeah. done that. <laughs> like, I mean that sincerely. Yes. Who else in, in the history of the planet has moved from Santa Monica because that's where he was living after he left UCLA or was told to leave UCLA. He left Santa Monica, California for Starkville, Mississippi. Nobody's ever done that before.
1: Drastic. Drastic. On the topic of Iverson Molinar, um, you know Sam Vassini. Who uh, we'll see if we can get him, squeeze him in before the end of the episode. But I talked to. He called me from Australia earlier this week. Buzzed me. I just uh, he called me at like five thirty Eastern, and I picked up. I go, man, what t- what time is it where you live right now? Facetime audioed me, and he was like, it's it's like it's you know it's eight thirty in the morning. Birds chirping back there. He's 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 doing he's doing good stuff. Anyway, we talked about Iverson Molinar because he saw our top 101 list. And he got to a couple, he's like, a couple guys you got too high, a couple guys you got too low. He's like iverson Molinar, he's all in on Molinar being like top 35 player in the country this year. So he's like, You guys are good to have him on there, but you probably have him like 25, 30 spots too low. So the fact that you bring them up is interesting because he's I don't remember the exact stat he referenced. I think he said something like Molinar was the only player in the country last season to go 50-40. 80% from the line and averaged a certain amount of minutes per game or something like that. Like he was tremendously productive for the amount of time he actually was on the floor there. So keep that in mind, as I mentioned in, I believe the capsule for our top 101, which I wrote about Molinar, he's a classic example of like, I understand we talk about household names and stars in college basketball. There's a relatively small amount, but if you're the kind of person who loves this podcast, follows the sport, he is a vintage example of a extremely Good, entertaining, productive guard at the power conference level where if you're not following the sport, you don't know about him, but he's he is rewarding in and of itself, and he should be why Mississippi State's in that NCAA tournament picture. Personally, I'm a little less on the Bulldogs than GP. I just want to see it. I've got them like fringe tournament team. I've got them first four territory, but definitely can be, if that winds up being the case, you you look at that roster, and if Rocket Watts can get healthy, they are a classic example. First four parish. And almost every single season, we've had a first-four team get at least to the second round of the tournament. Like, they win that first game, then they win the the, the round of 64. Mississippi State would fit that description to a T if that's indeed where they wound up this season.
0: Yeah, one thing to remember, and you just touched on it about that team, is they're going to start with multiple injuries. They, they So their rotation isn't going to be uh, what it will eventually be on opening night or even for the first few weeks of a season. So keep that in mind if you see a weird score pop up. Um, they are not healthy to start this season, unfortunately. Before we get out of here, Norlander has put together a list of of random predictions for this season. So I'm gonna let him run through them, and I'll just sit back and tell him when he says something outlandish.
1: Okay, and there we go. Uh, yeah, just a just a little bit of a mix here. I tried to get some some fun stuff, some legitimate stuff. Why not? Let's 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 get a little nutty. Okay. Number one. I love how you're always just trying to have fun. I like, you know what? Why not? Let's just have a little fun. Let's have a little fun. How about this? This is not This is not outlandish, okay? I, but I'll, I have, be, I'll, I'll be the judge of this that. This is not outlandish. Number one, Drew Timmy's not winning National Player of the Year. Duke's Paolo Banquero will win National Player of the Year, and so in doing so, he'll also win
0: National Freshman of the Year. Thoughts? I don't think that's outlandish. I've, I've made that point before. Like, Drew Timmy should be the pick. But this happens every once in a while in college basketball, like it might not even take a week. It's like you look up and you go, oh, boy, Michael Beasley is something else or because people forget he was something else. I don't know if people forget that he was he was
1: tremendous. I think people forget about, uh, you know, how good Dozier was. I think people forget that. He, he had a shot for the championship i think people forget that he had a shot for the championship yeah he, he did but I, I understand what you're saying
0: yeah like um or, so you look up like i don't have it in front of me but like go look up michael beasley's opening night numbers it was out outrageous what he did <laughs> and then he just never stopped doing it if i remember correctly like kevin durant went to texas and broke set all these records and then michael beasley came right behind him and just broke them all yeah Uh And
1: it was, it's the fact that it was at Kansas state when he was doing it, it was just, it was, it was completely out of place as we watched it in real time.
0: And then um, Zion, you know, it took a week and it was like, Oh, like Zion went from like maybe Duke's third best recruit to, Oh God, this guy's the best player in the country. Every once in a while with a freshman and also with a, a, an experienced guy like uh, Adam Morrison did this, you know, by the end of November, it was like, okay, this guy's going to be here all season. Um, Paulo is that type of player. Like you, we could look up very quickly and just go, this guy is going to be the best player in college basketball and the number one pick in the draft. I I'm, I, I'm, I'm with you on this one. I, I, I would, I'll, I'll ride with drew Timmy. That's my preseason pick, but it, it is not hard to, to imagine a scenario where Paulo Benquero is, is the best player in college basketball.
1: Number two, the last undefeated team will fall before january 1 and my reason for this before you respond is i anticipate that the return of a regular schedule you know and fans in the stands filled out arenas will have some sort of collective energy thrust upon the sport we might have one or two lingering out there around christmas but I did the I did the data on this a couple of years ago. I think on the average date or something like that, I, I did a story on it. This is before obviously Gonzaga last year was like January 18 or something. Like the average date in a given year over the previous 10 seasons when the last undefeated team lost was January 18. So I'm really going early, but I'm saying back end stages of a pandemic is why. Agree or disagree.
0: I think there will be an undefeated team on January first. I don't know who it'll be. Right. But I think there will be one. And you know who it could be? I'm just sort of browsing schedules here. Could be your national champion, Purdue. I they mean. Got, they got
1: Tennessee and then Carolina or Villanova early, though, at Mohegan. That's a tough one.
0: Oh, so they're in one of those that's not showing up on it's there. not showing. I got but it.
1: you are right. But if they get through that, what's the next toughest game between then and January I mean, they
0: 1? Got a, they got a neutral against Carolina. Um, they've got a home game against Florida State. Ooh, they got to go to Rutgers. Did you see they changed Rutgers? They changed the rack? What are we
1: doing? That's what I thought. They changed the rack. First of all, if I'm Steve Peichel, I'm recruiting as many guys named Mike as possible because now it's Jersey Mike's Arena. Is that what it is?
0: Something like that. Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's. If area. I'm a if
1: I'm a baller named Mike and I want to go play hoop in Jersey, I want to go. I want to go play for Rutgers, cashing on the nil, you know, side opportunities. I'm, I'm not with it's. It's the rack forever. Okay. Right. Get that out
0: of my face. Yeah, get out of my face with that.
1: All right. So maybe it'll, maybe it'll be Purdue. But I, I listen. That's again. Kind of fun, kind of bold. Last undefeated team falling before January 1. How about this one? How about some, some optimism? We're going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of about 5,850 games played the season, if most or all go with scheduled. So if the pandemic doesn't go from dumbest to outright idiotic, join me. Zero games canceled
0: due to COVID this season. Talk to me. Zero. I, I would take I take the over, I guess, but I don't think it's going to be very many. If if it if it is any, um, as our research showed during the Candid Coaches series, most of these teams are vaccinated, and you know, like there, there's an Aaron Rodgers here or there but most of these teams are are either fully vaccinated or nearly fully vaccinated and the 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 testing protocols um and the the contact tracing just isn't going to get them you know you, you you will have a breakthrough case here or there we will have players have to sit out games that that's going to happen for sure yeah but what what really made last season so difficult pre-vaccine is that you'd get two players pop positive and then contact tracing would knock out another seven and now you can't play. Well, that's just not going to happen this season often. And it might not happen at all. Like this season, if you've got two breakthrough cases in most places, those two guys are going to have to sit down for a minute. Um, but everybody else is going to be fine as long as they're asymptomatic. I mean, they will not even, you know, conferences are going to do this differently, but for the most part, vaccinated players are not going to be tested at Uh, You know, unless they're uh, symptomatic and um, that's why I'm, I'm super optimistic that this is, this season is going to go smoothly. Uh, You know, again, one game out of a billion, that's all it takes to hit the over on zero. That's all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. I would take the over, but I don't think this is going to be an issue in college basketball this season. And if it is, I will run my head through a wall.
1: Positive vibes only. Number four, there are 11 Duke road games this season. They are the final 11 road games of Coach K's career. I'm putting the over-under on court storms on Duke at 2.5. I've got the under. What do you have? And whatever you have over-under, pull up that schedule. You got to tell me what teams are going to beat Duke when Duke is on the road, and therefore the fans are going to storm the floor.
0: Well, Ohio State could be a place. They got to go to Ohio State.
1: Only non-conference road game on Duke's schedule is Ohio State on November 30.
0: Mm, They've got a back-to-back situation on the road in late December, early January at Clemson at Notre Dame.
1: Why don't you scoot on to the very end of that schedule? We got a back-to-back-to-back situation, and before that, we got three out of four on the road.
0: Yes, I would say they lose at Ohio State but maybe that's not worth a court storming. Maybe Buckeye fans hold themselves to a higher standard.
1: They're 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 running on the floor.
0: Okay, so there's one. All right, they will either lose at Clemson or at Notre Dame, and that's that's a court storming.
1: Hey, oh, without a doubt, you got them at you got them at two. By you got Duke with two losses. When I think there's not going to be an undefeated team left in the sport. Okay.
0: Um. Ooh, they, they got to go to Florida State, January eighteenth. Florida State will storm that court on you.
1: Oh, it's guaranteed. They've stormed the court on Duke like six times since two thousand five.
0: <laughs> it feels like I've seen that before.
1: I've seen it so many times. Yes,
0: and ooh, they got a they got a at Virginia, at Syracuse, at Pitt. Hmm. Buddy Behan goes for like thirty five, and then it leads to a court storming in the carrier. Storming. You got four. I don't know that I have four, but I will take over two and a half. Okay. I'm going to, by the way, court storming, it it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, Yeah, but Oh, but Uh, get ready for it to return uh, with more fury than we've ever seen before. I'm not only against court storming because it's dangerous. (laughs) It is actually dangerous. I'm also against it because there's nothing to do once you're out there. It's like, it's like... like, all right, what do we do now? Like, it's just
1: we going to Jeff's house tonight? Like, yeah, well, yeah. What, exactly. Yeah. But mean well, you know what? Like,
2: like if they had a ball, you had football,
1: You got to like, you got to burn some calories to like to get down there in middle of the field. Like, you know, if you got
0: a big pole you can climb. You can climb the field goal post. There's something I, I, to do. Just <laughs> try to tear that down. They always try to tear that down. So you can, you can participate, contribute to the possible tear down of a field goal post. But when, once you're on a basketball court, it's like, all right, now what? Like if they, they, they need to put a big bar out there and everybody can get drinks and hang out and talk, you know, try to, you know, try to hook up, whatever, but, yeah.
1: but, <laughs> you know, court's a little bit different, but it makes for a, it still makes for, a, you know, we're on the same page here, but uh, it makes for a nice scene
0: here. up until somebody gets paralyzed from the neck down.
1: Exactly. All right. Number five one thing I love about this sport is every single postseason is unique. There has never been, and never will be the same exact set of NCAA tournament teams this season. I've got 10 teams that were single digit seeds last season, not getting back to the tournament at all. So these were single digit seeds and I can give you one of them with 100% certainty. Oklahoma state will not be in the 2022 NCAA tournament. Also, I've got Iowa, Creighton, Missouri, Colorado, LSU, Wisconsin, Georgia Tech, West Virginia, and Clemson. Those are 10 teams not dancing in March that were not only dancing last March, but were single-digit seeds. My question for you is, which one, two, or three am I most ridiculous about here that you think are going to not only get in, but you tend to lean that they'll get in with some room to spare?
0: We got Clemson storming the court on Duke and not making the NCAA tournament all in about a three-minute span.
1: If anyone can do that as a program, it's Clemson.
0: One started like twenty-one and zero and made the NIT, so let's <laughs> be right it sounds. like Shouts to Oliver Purnell. Yeah, exactly. I name my I name my middle boy after Oliver Purnell. Oliver Purnell <laughs> Parish. That's right. OPP. OPP. Um, yes, that Clemson could absolutely. Uh, storm the court on Duke and, and make the NIT that the, the most Clemson thing ever. Um, I think West Virginia, I mean, I'm just going to trust Bob Huggins. I'll trust Bob Huggins. Okay. I hate that LSU suffered a preseason injury, but I could still see them getting there. I could still see them getting there.
1: Yeah. So those, those two.
0: Yeah, those two, yeah. I, I, I I I'm going Bob Huggins and Will Way.
1: Okay, fair enough. It's a heck of a one-two right there. <laughs> Bob Huggins will wait. They'd uh, they'd have some short stories to share over uh over uh belly up to the bar. All right, number six, also tournament related: Gonzaga, USC, Baylor, Arkansas, Houston, UCLA, Oregon State,
0: Michigan. You got to get these lists trimmed down a little bit. I can't. You now you're about to ask me something. I'm like I can't even remember all the teams you said.
1: Gonzaga, USC, Baylor, Arkansas, Houston, UCLA, Oregon State, Michigan. Those were the Elite Eight teams from last season. I've only got two making it that far again. Give me Gonzaga and the Bruins. I know you agree with this because you have them in your final. You have them in their title game. But those are the only two that made it to the regional finals last season, who I think will make it to the regional finals minimally again this season. You got Baylor, Arkansas. Houston, Oregon State, Michigan. There's some reasonable teams that could get back there, but I've only got those two. What about you?
0: Uh, I'd have to reference the top 25 and one. You don't. You don't have to. If you're do, feeling
1: like, if you're feeling in your bones right now that you're gonna ride with Beaver Fever and Oregon State's gonna
0: do this two years in a row, just roll with it. I'm not rolling with Beaver Fever again. Okay. I, for the record, I never roll with Beaver Fever. I enjoyed it, <laughs> but I didn't roll with it. All right. Got a $17.2 million contract extension. How awesome was that? I could see Baylor getting back. Obviously, I've got them ninth in the top 25 and one. Um, And if you're ninth in the top 25 and one, there's nothing crazy about maybe making, you know, the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament. So I could see Baylor getting there. That's it. Okay, I can't remember the. I mean, Arkansas, I could obviously see getting. Oh, there. That's
1: why I I was opening the door because you had
0: him as your as your pick there. Okay, yeah, number I'm Arkansas tenth in the top twenty five and one. So I, Baylor, Arkansas, also candidates to join Gonzaga, UCLA in the Final Four. All right,
1: number seven. Uh, this one's for the mid major lovers out there. Max A Smith led the nation in scoring last season. Antoine Davis in previous seasons has been a top three score in America. I actually think these two dudes are going to give us a fun little side story this season. Give me those guys giving us one of the better... Now, we don't really care too much about who leads the nation in scoring in college basketball, generally speaking. When Trey Young was doing it and leading the nation in assists, it was certainly a, a major storyline. We talked about it, did over-under on the podcast and all that good stuff. But I think that these guys are going to put up more than 26 a game and give us... Like, it's not common in college basketball where the scoring chase between players is that... They're, they're dropping that many a game. Like, I think they're going to be pretty close one, two overall. And they're going to just be like, we might just open the occasional podcast being like, we don't have too much to say about Detroit mercy, but good God, Antoine Davis just dropped 39, you know, that kind of deal. So I think that those two will be our one, two in scoring in some sort of combination. And in doing so, um, well, at least, you know, a Smith cause he goes in as a preseason all American, but if Detroit mercy can be halfway decent, like, yeah, the, you'll have two guys in the conversation for some all America, you know, consideration at the end of the season
0: one of the wild differences between the nba and college basketball is that in the nba you're always talking about who's leading this league in scoring who's going to get a scoring title you know is it Steph? Ooh, John morant's in the top five now whatever college basketball we never talk about it mac tasemans led the country in scoring last season we never said his name on the podcast until the ncaa tournament i don't think
1: I agree. But once they were in the tournament and winning, then we referenced it every single time we talked about Oral Roberts. By yeah. the way, they got the guy who's leading the country in scoring,
0: you know, that kind of thing. But you're right. Yeah. You're the, right. Thing, the thing people don't realize is that yeah. uh, a little guard there, he led the nation in scoring. No, like the scoring titles in college basketball, like it just doesn't register unless it's like JJ Redick and Adam Morrison or something like that. I don't mm-hmm. even know if they competed for the scoring title that year, but like the, the issue with this, it is the leading score in the nation is often somebody from a, off the radar school. Yes. And so it's just not something most people pay attention to.
1: If memory serves correct, uh listeners, feel free to just find me and correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Morrison led the nation in scoring that year when he uh he and Reddick shared player of the year uh uh awards. All right, number eight. Seven guys at new gigs this season are gonna make the tournament in their first year. Tell me if you disagree or if I missed one, tell me who you'd add to this. And I could I this is a lot of these are power conference coaches. I considered every single coach at a new spot. But as it usually goes, if you're taking over a mid-major program, you're usually not in a position to make the tournament. So I go Texas and Chris Beard. Chris Beard's former school, Texas Tech, will get there with Mark Adams. Hubert Davis at UNC will get there. I'm going to give a shout, by the way, to Nada. He has in this notes here. He said his one prediction this season is that the UNC Tar Heels are going to win the ACC with Hubert Davis. That's a little bold, a little spicy, but I like it, Nada. Um, So, yeah, I I got Hubert getting there. Tommy Lloyd, Arizona going to get there. I think Porter Moser is going to get there, but like first four, maybe, maybe just misses first four. And I got his former school Loyola Chicago getting there with Drew Valentine in his first season. then I have the Indiana Hoosiers with Mike Woodson getting there and getting there as like a five or six seed. I, I do like Indiana's potential this year. So those are my seven, anyone that you disagree with or that you would add to that list.
0: I could certainly see them all getting there. I'm. I'd be. I'm not skeptical of Porter, but I'm skeptical of this Oklahoma team, the roster that is in place. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure that I would have Oklahoma in a projected NCAA tournament bracket. Okay,
1: fair enough. Number nine, over under. Eric Musselman shirtless celebrations in the locker room. Four point five for the entire season. I'm going over. What are you going with?
0: Over, you, over 4.5 means that man's got to be on video topless five times at least. That seems like a lot. It seems excessive. Five and 35 chances? I don't know if
1: that's excessive. He's, how old is Muss? I'm going to say Muss off the top of my head. I'm going to say Muss is 54.
0: He's in for, incredible shape for, for an older gentleman.
1: He is. He is. Listen, no shame. Everyone's got that guy or at least had that guy in their social group, right? Like I, I can tell you right now, there was... Guy in college, if there was an opportunity for him to walk around without a shirt on, he was doing it. And that's what muss is. And there's no there's no shame in it. Whatever.
0: Do what you got to do. Were you that guy, Parrish? What do you think? <laughs> Dude, I don't even take my shirt off at home now, ever. I, the, the only time I take my shirt off is when I get into a shower. And even then, I, I'm in the shower before I take it off. <laughs> I get in the shower and then I take my shirt off and I throw it out of the shower.
1: Oh, my gosh. This is phenomenal. Oh, my you know, like God. I,
0: I, I have swim shirts, the whole deal. I got swim shirts. I'm not trying to die of UV rays. That's what I say. People are like, yeah. why are you wearing a swim shirt? I'm like, I'm not trying to die of UV rays. I I make myself sound responsible. Truth is, I just hate myself.
1: <sighs> Do you have Musa's age?
0: Let <laughs> <That'd> me. <be fun. laughs>
1: Must is it? I'm I was just i just curious because we got. I'm saying i I'm saying fifty-four. Wikipedia can tell no lies, right? What does it say? Rick fifty-six. Fifty-six. Good on him, man. Staying in shape. Are you going over under four point? You went under. I went over.
0: Yeah, I think I. Unless like he's just gonna like whip Mercer on opening night and take yeah. his shirt off. Like there's only so many opportunities to take your shirt off if you're the coach of a preseason you know top fifteen uh, team. I don't know how many opportunities you're going to have to do it, <laughs> okay, although, then... I, although although, it would be hilarious. Oh, so if, good. If like beat Mercer by 25 on a, on you know next Tuesday and when he comes into the locker room with his shirt. I'm all fired up. That's incredible.
1: I hope so. The next one, got three more quickies before we get out of here. You have agency over the next one. Number 10, over under Devin Downey shout outs by GP on CBS Sports Network this season. I'm setting at 2.5. And I am taking the over. He does usually get in one, and sometimes he'll get a little, he'll get a little uh, hockey assist from Stover or maybe Zook. Um, so, but I'm going over two point five, Devin Downies on the set this season. Can you make it happen?
0: I, I can easily make it happen. <laughs> like you know, this is I'm in charge of what comes out of my mouth. I could easily do it. The problem is to do it where it um, is at least reasonable. Um, you need like a, a South Carolina victory. And we're dealing with the high South Carolina highlight. Yes. It's gonna be tough. <laughs> it might be tough, you know. The South Carolina's got to be playing and
1: winning on the same day that you're on the set. I didn't think about this.
0: Yeah, and like that, that's oh. the problem. How often am I in studio when they're playing, and how often are they going to win when they play? I think that's the bigger question. How often are they going to win when they play? The 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 my 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 more uh, what I'm more likely to do is anytime I have a um, one of my little homies from Memphis in the highlight package I can reference him as my little homie from Memphis <laughs> I do that quite often
1: <laughs> i I do recall um, two more one as I record this podcast with you right now, got a dead mouse in the walls just just a worse smell you ever deal with that GP? no what is going where do you live i mean talking about we got traps you know outside in the basement they go get the poison they get into the walls and they die like it happens like once or twice a year smells horrendous in my office right now but this is just what you do i would never let i would never let a a mouse yeah they eat the poison then it takes a little bit for it to kick in and why are you poisoning mice i'm not gonna let them roam free in my house gp what are we talking about? It's getting cold in the Northeast, so they're coming indoors. Like it's just a it's a na- anyway. Because when what I was working, on, I oh, don't have, we don't have a mice problem. Well, excuse me. Okay, <laughs> we got we got the occasional you know poison trap, little baggies. Here we go. Anyway, over under on dead animals found on my property in the next six months.
0: One point five. Give me the under. I'll go over. You're always no. with something. You're always you're always dealing with something up there. Like you, you Northeasterners, like you think you think we're the hillbillies down here in in the South. And the truth is, I don't wake up with dead animals in my yard or have mice in my walls. Pretty normal, pretty normal situation. I mean, you might run into some wild flags when you're driving the kids to school, <laughs> but. <I'll> take- <laughs> But Let's I'm, not, the dead deer. I'm yeah. not dealing with dead
1: animals too often. I'll take the dead deer in my front yard. For new listeners, that happened a couple of uh, years ago. We were literally getting ready to record an episode early in the morning, and I looked out, and there was just a deer gashed to hell in my front yard straight out of a David Lynch movie. My final one. Mm-hmm. This is just kind of a commentary, uh, but also a prediction, because I got to talking with Vassini about this as well. So when we get to the 2022 Final Four, it will have been three years since we've had a proper Final Four with the conventions, all the coaches, everyone in the industry, ADs, agents, media, right? All that. And this year, it's going to be in New Orleans. Okay? So first of all, that city... Has a habit, although it doesn't host Final Fours a ton, they usually get at least one really, really good game. They've had some really obviously famous and and incredible championship games there. I think this year's Final Four is going to get out of hand in the best of ways. Just because, you know, we're going to be at the end of a traditional NCAA tournament. It's been a decade since we've had the Final Four in New Orleans and this you know, setup of, of getting like the final four is just an incredible thing to experience, to cover all of it. As you well know, in New Orleans, is one of the very best cities. This is kind of my send off as we get ready to start this, the season next week. I just can't wait to experience that GP once we get to April, because I understand why Indianapolis is considered a great setup and San Antonio is awesome. I've only covered one final four in New Orleans. It is my favorite city for this. And the idea that we're going to get our first regular final four and it's in New Orleans. I can't wait for that. It's exhausting.
0: (laughs) It's too much. The thing I love about Indianapolis is that there's beautiful hotels, great restaurants, and the dome, and it's all right there within walking distance. And stuff closes. They tell you, you have nothing else to do. It's time to go home. Like every once in a while, we'll end up in that cigar bar. (laughs) You know that place? Oh, I remember. Like every once in a while, you'll end up in the cigar bar, whatever that place is called yeah. uh, in, in downtown Indianapolis a little later than you wish, but it, it, you know, the night's over the night ends new Orleans. If you don't want the night to end, it doesn't have to. And I'm not good with places like that. I need to be told to go home. Even if I have no interest in going, like I might say, I might say, um, I don't want to uh, go out tonight or I'm tired or I'm, but once I'm in it, I'm in it. And then I, I need somebody to tell me to go home. Nobody in New Orleans ever tells you to go home. That's a problem.
1: I know, man. But I'm looking forward to it. Season starts next week. Going to video. Again, subscribe in the podcast description or go to either our Twitter feeds in the Ion College Basketball Twitter feed. Be sure to follow that as well. We can't wait to see you. And uh, season right around the corner. Let's do it.
0: Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Ish Wainwright. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. Middle of the dumb pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. Rate it. Review it. Five stars. Nice words. We will talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care.